Welcome back to the Get a Q podcast. My name is Brandon Hall. I'm pleased to be joined today by Rick Rogers. Rick Rogers is an adjunct at Salem State University. He's a 35-year educator, most recently an interim principal in Malden. His current work serves in supporting teachers and principals uh, as a leadership coach and consultant. He's also the program coordinator and a lead facilitator for the Soul of Leadership Project. Uh, Rick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brandon. Really happy to be here. Yeah, so I think we, if we dive right into it, we start with teachers themselves uh, in a time where teachers have never needed more support. How do we best support our teachers in our buildings? Well, I think it's a really important um, question to ask. And, you know, when I think about teachers and folks who work in education, um, I often turn to um, uh, Howard Gardner and his concept of good work, in quotes, as opposed to a good job. Mm. Um, And he says that good work has to align with your values, um, has to bring you a sense of efficacy, and also bring engagement and joy. And I think one thing that's been so hard about, you know, the last 18 months has been, you know, initially that sense of efficacy for a lot of teachers was lost. Um, and, you know, and then the opportunities for joy um, mm. were harder to come by, uh, particularly during remote and hybrid um, learning. Um but, you know, I think, I think there's a number of ways that principals in particular can support teachers. Um, I think that's one of our most important jobs. Um, and, you know, the first is to be fully present um, and to listen and to establish trust. Um, I think teachers need to know that they can come to a principal with a personal issue that may arise. Um, a professional issue to problem solve something that's come up with a colleague or a parent or a student. Um, and as, as a leader, you need to be able to be fully present and, and listen. Um, there's a great um, uh, blog uh, called Leadership Freak by Dan Rockwell. And he uh, talks about leaders needing to release thoughts of the next thing so that you can focus on this thing. Mm. And teachers pick right up on the fact if you're not there um, and supporting them. So that being fully present um, and listening is really important. Yeah, um, I, 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 I totally get where you're, where you're coming from that. I, I just, I see administrators sometimes like they, they're on, they you know, they've got the blinders on. I do this myself. I've got the blinders on because I'm going to, I'm focused on solving some problem as a tech director, right? Like I know I've got a teacher who like, let's say it's simple, like, you know, the, 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 the cable that goes to their projector is broken. So I've got a cable in my hand and I'm walking and someone has a more pressing need that they need to talk about or some member of my staff that needs to pull me aside because they've got like an emergency they're dealing with. It's, it's stopping to be present for that person that's speaking with you and not thinking forward about, I've got to go replace this cable, right? Like the cable will still be there in 10 minutes. It's that, that personal connection. I get where I I totally get where you're coming from. That's a great point. Well, and I think, you know, one of the best pieces of feedback I ever got from a teacher was um, she said to me, you always, when I see you in the hallway, you always look like you're going somewhere. Um, (laughs) And I was, I was running a K-8 school with 700 kids. I was busy. Yeah. Um, but um, there's this notion of just needing to slow down. And, you know, um, I think somewhere uh, Kim Marshall talks about um, strolling more, mm. um, you know. So I really made it, I actually, uh, that year, 
turned that into a whole theme for the year of like, I'm strolling now um, to, yeah. to slow down and to show people that, yeah, I wasn't just, you know, being driven by what, what was on my mind or what the latest crisis was. Yeah, it's the so opposite. I think, I th it's I think the opposite, that's so important right? as a baseline for yep. support for people. Yeah. It's the opposite of George Costanza, right, George? <laughs> he, he said <laughs> in Seinfeld, he said, if you walk with fast with your head down and look annoyed all the time, people won't bother you. But you want to be the opposite of that, right? Exactly. Exactly. You want to be approachable and, and relatable and... and and reliable for people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, a second thing that's really important is to cultivate a culture of collegiality and reflective practice. And I particularly turn to that. Um, uh, I have a mentor of mine, uh, Roland Barth, who um, just passed away um, a week or so ago. And um, Roland founded the Harvard Principal Center. Um, and he wrote a book called Run, School, Run that um, first caused me to think about being a principal uh, 40 years ago. Um, and I felt very fortunate to have the opportunity to study with him um, and learn from him in my own principal prep. But he, he um, talks about the nature of relationships among adults within a school has a greater influence on the character and quality of that school than anything else. Um, and, and I really, um, think that principals need to, to hold that, um, you know, to, to the case. And, um, Judith Warren Little, um, back in the late seventies made a distinction between congeniality and collegiality hmm. and congeniality is where, you know, you're talking about the Red Sox or the Patriots game or family, but collegiality is where you're talking about practice. Um, and congeniality is important and it has a place in a school for sure. People need to know that, you know, people care about them and they're interested in them. Mm -hmm. But in the end, what really matters is being able to talk about practice. Um, so cultivating that culture of collegiality is, is really important. Um, and that work dates back, you know, to the, to the seventies and eighties, but more recently, um, there's been work in the Chicago public schools by Bright and Schneider on, on the importance of relational trust. So they looked at schools in Chicago that were making greater than expected gains in academic achievement. And they found, they went in looking for kind of curriculum or instructional strategies, and they didn't find that. But what they found as a common thread across these schools was they all had high degrees of relational trust trust between the principal and teachers, trust among the teachers themselves, and trust between the school and the community that they served. Um, and, you know, so that, that work carries on, you know, it's timeless. Um, and I, I particularly want to, you know, with, um, at this time with, with um, Roland's passing, I really wanted to emphasize that as an important part of supporting teachers. So I, I guess my question then is, is where during the schedule of the school day as a principal, how do you build that in, whether it's, you know, artificially you build it in by just kind of, you know, going, going and developing relationships with teachers, or do you have like an official, like a concrete block of time in your school building where you can make that work? So that's an interesting question. I mean, I think that, um, some of it has to be in those individual interactions that you're having with people, right? They need to know that you're, you know, to go back to my first point, that you're present and listening. Um, 
you know, and, you know, that you're showing up. So, for example, if you've got a big school-wide professional development initiative, do you go to it? Mm-hmm. Do you sit sat beside your teachers and participate and show that you're interested in learning along with them? Um, you should be. I mean, that's, you know, I think that's, that's an example. I also think that time is the most precious resource in schools and particularly time for teachers to meet together. And you have very limited time as a school Mm -hmm. to be able to pull your staff together. So you've got to be very intentional about how you're using that time and you have to prepare for it. You know, you should be preparing for a faculty meeting, um, or a, a PD release day um, in the same way that a teacher prepares for a lesson. Yes. Um, you know, and not just winging it, you know. Right. Um, so I think that taking the time to really use the time you have with intentionality um, is, is a really important part of, of building that collegiality. Yeah, it's so important to look at how many times you sit in a faculty meeting and think to yourself, wow, this could have been an email, right? Or yeah, uh, you know, and, and it's people's time. And especially when you get to that after school zone, right, where you've got your union contract contractual mandated, you know, one hour per month with the faculty and one hour with your department that you're sitting there and you're thinking like, OK, I got to get my kids off the bus. I got to go grocery shopping when I get home. I got to, you know, do all of these things when you've, you know, got a life outside of school. And here we are. This could have been an email, right? Like this. How do we make that faculty meeting more engaging or uh, like you said, more intentional. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and how about involving teachers and shaping right too? So having some sort of, whether it's a leadership team or whatever structure you have in your school, but you know, where there's people are helping you shape how that time's going to be used. And, you know, you're looking at, you know, okay, I've got 10 faculty meetings. I've got five release days. We have this initiative, that initiative, mm-hmm. you know, how are we going to apportion our time and what are we going to do during that time? And, and, and absolutely, um, you know, a few minutes for a check-in or quick announcements, fine, but it should not be stuff that can go in an email. Yeah. And then on top of that, you've got all of the district and state mandates to worry about. And how do you, so you've got your, you know, your state reporting agencies and, um, you know, in Massachusetts, let's say DESE and, Um, you know, your local school district, you've got goals and you're building, you've got goals. How do you sort of translate that, filter that down to the teacher level so that the teachers don't get so overwhelmed with them now that, especially like now that MCAS scores are coming out, right? From last year. Yeah. And, oh, gee, we had a drop in performance. I'm sure everyone's shocked about that. Yeah. Right. The globe. Yeah. Yeah. The globe really needed to make that front page news the other day too. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. No, I mean, I think a a huge part of the principal's job is, you know, being that liaison to the district um, and being, uh, and that's not something that often gets a lot of uh, play, you know, but it's an important part of the job. And sometimes you have to be the buffer um, and you have to understand how something's going to play out in your particular school community and know when to take your foot off the gas, you know, and when when to... you know, speed up. Um, I think about the year that uh, the new teacher evaluation system came out Mm -hmm. um, 10 years ago. I lost track of the exact year. (laughs) Um, And that was the same time that the new um, SEI, Sheltered English Immersion, 
requirement came down from the state. Um, and I was working in a district with a high ELL population, and that, and we were one of the first districts that, you know, needed to complete that um, that requirement. And both of those things were happening at the same time, and you know, on top of things the district had planned, and I had my own set of things I wanted to do in the yep, school. Yep, yep. And I remember going to my faculty group and saying you know what, I'm going to step back from this work that we're doing on habits of mind because as much as I care about it, I feel like we've got too much on our plate and I can't control the mandate around evaluation and SEI, but I can control this. Um, you know, I'm happy to say that teachers said to me, you know, well, we appreciate your saying that, but we really want to do that work. That's something we care about. Mm -hmm. So we figure that out together. But at least there was that recognition that, um, you know, we can't just go full steam ahead on all cylinders with five different initiatives. Right. And that, that was a real double whammy for staff. I remember thinking to myself as at that time, as a classroom teacher, like we've got a lot we've got to do here now, all of a sudden on, on our time, not necessarily on school time. Yeah, uh, totally new yeah. expectations because, you know, for the first 10 years of my career, it was like, um, you know, you get one observation every other year and it was like, see, you know, come in, see us put on a show and then we'll see you in a year or see you in two years. And, and then all of a sudden it's unannounced observations and people walking through and the stress level of the buildings just went through the roof. Um, and then to add the teachers that were now all of a sudden being pulled aside to say, hey, you've got to also get this SEI endorsement because you had a kid in your class um th that was really hard that was really really a tough point and good good for you for making making note of that for your staff yeah yeah um well and i think there's some parallels to where we are today right bring it back right. to that yep. right yep. i mean you know the demands of you know learning how to live stream or yeah. um you know or or manage you know your room setups and the you know ever-changing requirements around testing and um, everything else, you know, I think this is another time where there's a lot going on and it behooves us to be very focused, you know, in terms of um, what we are trying to take on um, for meaningful work in a school. Yeah. And, and we talked, we talked about this a little earlier when we did sort of our pre-interview, but um, what are teachers feeling right now in this? I mean, we, we look at, like you mentioned, all of the things that are teaching on Zoom and, and being sort of in that hybrid model and changing your classroom around. Um, I've talked to teacher friends of mine outside of my district. In fact, I was talking to one this morning about the struggle of just like connecting with kids and families again. Uh, mm -hmm. What are you seeing from uh, from teachers right now? Well, I mean, in the schools that I'm, you know, uh, consulting in, you know, working with um, what I'm hearing, um, interestingly, particularly at the middle and high school level, is struggling a little bit with kids readjusting to the structure of school, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and having to put additional energy, um, you know, into that. I mean, you know, in, particularly in communities where they were late getting back to school last year, you know. Um, so just adjusting to that piece, you know, is there. Um, you know, and then I think, you know, that the uncertainty around, you know, if you're working at the elementary school, working with kids who aren't vaccinated, um, you know, I think has, has 
you know, another level of, of concern, you know, that people have to be thinking about. Um, and then we don't have, you know, even in Massachusetts, we don't have, you know, uniform support for vaccination right. and wearing masks. And so having to deal with the angry parents or, you know, the uh, parents who are challenging or pushing back on some of those rather than just, you know, this is how we're able to be in school. Don't you want your kid to be in school? Right, 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 right. We have the issue of, and I'm sure you're seeing this too, where you have students who have received the doctor's note that um, they don't have to wear a mask, but then you've got the rest of the school who is supposed to be masked, including teachers who are vaccinated, and they they see the kid in the hallway, and they're supposed they're not supposed to say anything, um, mm-hmm. and they don't mm-hmm. know if the only the teachers know who has one of those notes. So yeah. you could see any number of kids walking through the hallways without a mask on, and it, it that level of stress is so difficult to deal with. And then on top of that, we've got, I don't know if you're aware of this, this silly TikTok trend right now that's going on called Devious Licks. Have you heard of this one? No, I haven't. Oh, this one's a gem. Kids are, uh, kids are um, documenting themselves stealing from schools um, and taking things apart from the school. And then um, doc- they document it and create a video and put it on TikTok of all the things they've taken from the school. And it could be something as simple as a screw from a desk uh, all the way to a computer, um, and and there have been videos of kids stealing lug nuts off a teacher's cars in the parking lot. Um, so oh, wow. so like so Look. like let's add one more thing, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But I think you know I'll come back to what I opened with around you know Howard Gardner's thing. I think that the having that sense of efficacy um, is harder um, because you are dealing with so many new things, um, and again that the importance of joy, you know, how are we, how are we bringing joy into the school? And, you know, and, and, and with that, I caution, um, another term that came out in the pandemic was, um, uh, toxic positivity. (laughs) And it's important that, you know, we're not doing that kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, patting people on the back and calling them edgy rock stars, um, encouragement is, is not enough, right. you know, yeah. um, it's gotta be genuine. Yeah. You've got to f- create genuine opportunities, uh, for joy in yeah. the work. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, I've seen the encouragements and it's a pack of mints. It's like, you know, the, yeah. in, in the mailbox, like, thank you. But like, it just, it, there's something that feels empty about that or hollow. It doesn't feel like we need, what we need is more prep time, right? Or we need, um, right. You know, we need the opportunity to go over some things as a group. Um, you know, we need a common planning time, a true common planning time. We don't need some of this other stuff. And while the thought is there, um, like you said, that toxic positivity is a tough one to deal with. Mm-hmm. It's how, how do you how do you say to a, a PTA group or PTO group like, hey, it's just, this isn't really helping? You know, um, that's a tough one. Yeah, but I think as as a leader, you can you can certainly set the tone by not doing it yourself. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Right. So, right. Or calling it out when you see it or even making a joke about it. You yeah. Know? Um, so, and again, it's, it goes back to the, you know, congeniality, right? Like you need some of that, um, you know, but it isn't sufficient. There has to be something else besides that. Yeah. And I, I suppose that fits into the filtering and translating, right? part um where you as, yeah. a, as a leader you're kind of saying okay guys we're, we're going to push back on this a little bit just because it's not the right time or so i'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the soul of leadership program um that you're working with 
and and sort of the leadership renewal program that has has come about and the work that you're doing right now. Can you talk a little bit about how you work with administrative teams to kind of get a sort of a refresh? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, uh, this program is we're about to start our fourth uh, fourth year, um, and we've reached over a hundred school leaders so far in Massachusetts, all across the state. Um, and it really starts with the premise that we lead who we are, um, and we bring who we are to the culture that we're trying to build in the school. Um, so rather than be something that's, um, you know, uh, coming, you know, a program that you're sort of learning, it starts with inner work, you know, it's starting from within. Um, and it's intended to um, support and develop um, the social emotional capacity of leaders to manage job related stress. Um, you've, you've got to be able to do it for yourself. You also have to be able to model it for your staff. Um, and we also focus on strategies for building trust um, and um, on um, building caring and culturally responsive practices. Um, so the foundation of our work really um, comes from the Center for Courage and Renewal. Um, some listeners may be familiar with the work of Parker J. Palmer, um, and his famous book, Courage to Teach, which just was released in its 20th anniversary edition. Um, and that work is all about that, that the, the inner work, the work before the work, mm-hmm. Parker Palmer calls it. Um, and so that's a, that's a key component. The relational trust, which I had talked about before, is another piece. Um, but there's a heavy emphasis on contemplative practices. So um, we do mindfulness exercises. We teach self-care, um, focus on compassion. We bring in the arts. Um, and then we also um, have a, 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 an element that cuts across that's looking at social justice and equity issues. Um, and that, you know, by being present, by listening, um, by building a culture where there can be difficult conversations, we can address um, some of the social justice and equity issues that, mm-hmm. that are um, so prevalent um, in our schools. Um, yeah, and so I, I look at some of the, the topics that you talked about there and how, how we address that, how we're addressing things. And, and we're really doing it with, you know, a committee of teachers, working with administrators, working with community members. Um, how have you found the, those conversations to go? So one of the things that we've done is create a safe space for principals mm-hmm. and then more recently assistant principals to be in a role-alike experience so they can have those kind of conversations with one another first before they bring it back to their school community. Um, and we found that people are more willing to be vulnerable um, in that role-alike setting than perhaps they can be you know, in their school. Um, I've really um, had the privilege to work with two amazing educators um, whose life work has touched so many people um, in developing this. Uh, Chip Wood, who um, was the founder of the Responsive Classroom Program, um, a principal himself, um, and author of the book Yardsticks. And Pamela Siegel, who um, is best known for developing the Open Circle Program, which may be familiar 
um, to a lot of elementary listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chip and Pamela, um, you know, the early parts of their work were focused on kids. But for the past 20 years, they've really turned their attention to adults. Um, and they and they developed a, initially a program called Leading Together, um, which was intended for school teams. So a principal would come and bring four or five teachers and they would engage in these exercises together and then bring them back to their school. Um, but they came to me when I was working at the State Principals Association um, to propose developing a, an experience that was more role alike just for principals. And that's what led to the soul of leadership. And we've had a real, you know, tremendous um, uh, support for that program, the outpouring of interest, um, which actually, you know, doubled last year. Um, no surprise. <laughs> right. right. Um, in, in work. But, but it was that evolution, you know, of um, a program that they had first developed you know, for teachers and principals together, but then uh, recognizing a need to really go deep with the leaders first before you could sort of bring it back to the school. And and most recently, some recognition at the national level, too. Yeah, so we're very excited um, uh, to have um, a, a program be featured in Education Week. Um, and um, if readers go to Ed Week and, and um, look for that, um, uh, profile, um, they they can hear the voices of four Massachusetts principals who were interviewed, um, you know, about their participation in the program. Um, and you know, again, I want to emphasize that we you know, we want principals to be modeling, you know, this this work back in their school communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, modeling self care, um, modeling being present and being a good listener. Um, and explicitly working to build trust um, in the school community. Yeah, such important work. Um, and Rick, where can people find your work online if they were to search for your stuff? Um, so um, I'm on Twitter at, at RickRogers409. Um, they can also go to the Center for Courage and Renewal Northeast, where there's a program description of Soul of Leadership and Leading Together there. Great. Thank you so much. Such important work that you're doing right now with teachers and with leaders in Massachusetts and, and now Nash getting nationally recognized. It really truly is um, a great thing for your organization. Uh, Rick Rogers, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Brandon, for having me. I really uh, so value the work that MassQ does and particularly um, enjoy your podcast. Thank you. So. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. You've been listening to the Get a Q podcast by MassQ, here to educate, connect, and inspire.